Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. We're back on the Oz Network for another episode of 24 as we officially transition into part two of the season. We are now in the second half with episode number 13, titled 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Man, I love these titles. So punchy, so memorable, snappy. Oh, love it. Never forget which one this is. Um, course if you did forget this was the famous one that aired march 14 2005 was this your birthday episode four your birthday days this week? four days there away from my birthday so very close i would turn four days away from being 18 oh yeah. i can drink in four days in this <laughs> up this episode my last ever episode of 24 that aired where i couldn't legally drink oh and i bet you actually spent your birthday getting drunk watching michelle <laughs> make fun of tony but for getting legally drunk. not uh, <laughs> <laughs> Next week, I'll be getting pissed as shit. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, this one was written by a first-time writer, but will be some interesting trivia, and Kofel, and directed by Rodney Charters. Ted Kofel? Isn't he dead in Ted a, Ted a limo <laughs> with a towel down his throat? <laughs> well, the, we talked about Maggie last week, and now we know where the name Kofel came from, because yeah. I mean, the trivia for this is Anne Kofel writes her only episode of 24 here, previously worked as the assistant to uh, Cochrane, uh, Robert Cochrane. Oh, John Cochrane, so, survivor yeah. alum. So he's writing on this before he ever got given a job because he was somewhat Tom, famous. Tom Cochrane's assistant wrote this episode. Wow. <laughs> this is who Life as a Highway was really written about. Uh, <laughs> but uh, going from assistant producer to the writer, um, and yeah, happy birthday, 18-year-old Ben. Uh, my name is Colin, and appropriately, I will say you couldn't stay sober long enough to tail hold. Bleh. Yeah, I'm apparently not sober at all. You couldn't stay sober long enough to keep a job then yeah. and now. And also, uh, probably ties into my quote, my name is Ben, and I shouldn't have said that about your drinking earlier. I was out of line. <laughs> that, this episode is just the episode that keeps on giving. It's... <laughs> This is such a weird episode, but like, yeah, in a weird way, I actually really enjoy it, although I don't feel like I should because there's so many things in this episode that shouldn't work. And there are definitely some things in this episode that don't work at all. Now, how many years removed? 15, 17 years now removed from this episode. 18, almost 18, I guess. Don't remind Um, me. Almost 18 years. I'm doubly allowed legally to drink. (laughs) I am. Don't remind me. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, the parts, particularly with Jack's story that I feel like don't necessarily hold up as well, although other parts do. Uh, but the fact that they got the assistant to Cochrane here, um, writing the episode, uh, basically making it a soap opera 
I feel like everything with this shouldn't work. And yes, it does. I'm really into the soap opera stuff this week. 90% of this episode is just people going up to me. So how are you doing? So how are things with the ex? Yeah. Oh, and what about you with your ex? Okay. And then they literally swap places and the same people have the same conversations with the other people. Um, but downside of this episode being, it is a little bit heavy on the whole. Not all Arabs are bad. Um, what? I we didn't got that at all. Is that, was that the message of this week? Wow. Okay. But Public service announcements and soap operas, but yet I'm not mad at it. Look, it's very forward thinking, isn't it? This episode that in, you know, 2023, this is all we get. It's like, hey, everyone, equality. Look at this. We're casting different people and this is what happens. And not all these people are bad. Whereas back in 2005, they were doing this uh, right then. And back then we were like, fuck it, who gives a shit? Whereas now it's like, yeah, Muslims. Back then it's like, oh, don't lie. They're old terrorists. Um, but... Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's a huge improvement over the last few weeks. It's still not a brilliant episode, but, like, I I like the Michelle and Tony stuff in a weird way just because, like, I think, yeah, it's soap opery, but you need this. You need to explain why they're not together. And I think it, you know, it's a bit tedious sometimes. Like, it's Sweet Valley High. Like, oh, I hear Tony likes you. <gasps> what? <laughs> like, it's, it's a bit that way, but... At the same time, like, you, you need it. I don't like Sarah getting fired. We'll get to that. Um, there's some other stuff that's kind of dumb, but, yeah, it's huge improvement over the last three. So I'm not bidding this episode. Um, I, I kind of like this Jack and his brotherhood of Muslims in the store here. Like, it's, yeah, it's down your throat. Like, they're not all evil. Some of them own gun stores in... <laughs> In central LA. This is like central LA. There's a gun and sporting goods store. Uh, no wonder they're like rioting in 10 minutes. We'll get to that. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's it's an improvement. That's all. I, I love the, the again, the, the connections to what we're going to get with plot for the evil storyline. Marwan and the pilot and stuff like that. I really am. I'm on board with all of that because it, it pays off very well. Yeah, a little bit of a spoiler. Next week, we're basically going to get the, the opening plot of Thunderball. Um, <laughs> so we get introduced to it this week. Except it doesn't uh, take eight hours to get to. <laughs> no, it takes 14, technically. <laughs> but uh, I see your Touché. point. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, before we even get into the storyline stuff here, uh, one thing I just wanted to to quickly go over here is I've, I finally figured out how to watch the deleted scenes on the DVD. Um, the DVDs are really weird. I don't remember if season one was like, in fact, I, I'm pretty sure at least the first two seasons, uh, you could just watch a special feature, watch deleted scenes here. They kind of incorporated into the episode, but this is like back in the day where they're like, we want you to experience this in the way it would have been mm-hmm. in the episode. So when a deleted scene comes up, you're going to see a logo of 24 on screen. And then you hit that logo. But like the logo is so tiny I and it's on screen. That. Yeah. yeah. It's like three seconds on screen. I definitely um, so, remember that. Yeah. Okay. Now I will say this episode has oh, so many deleted scenes. I mean, I, I think I added it up as more than 10 minutes of deleted scenes. Every single one of them deals with Jack in the gun store. Um, and whatever we're thinking might be a little bit forced and a little bit too heavy this week could have been so much worse and we'll I'll kind of cover it chronologically when we get to it but there's an entire deleted character who is present uh well somebody setting off the alarm uh, <laughs> is an alarm going off i can't even hear that 
Do you need to? Um, do you need to tend to your burning house? I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to get a phone call in about 30 seconds here if the people in my work are prompt. Um, well, let's test it out. We'll stay on until you get that phone call. Let's see how oh, good people at your work. <laughs> we will. Well, I will. T- I will take the call. Oh, here we go. That oh, was look quick. at that. Hold good on job. I won't even mute it. Hello. <laughs> Colin, did they call? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we're good. It was just burnt food, uh, I guess. It's usually the case. <laughs> yeah, it's Colin. <laughs> My name is Colin. <laughs> oh, he's mute. Oh, no, he's not mute himself. Oh, no, he had to give okay, per- thank you. personal details, probably. Fine. <laughs> yeah, Jamie, it's all taken care of. My f- the house isn't actually burning, is it? Because I told him to call up the fire department. <laughs> yes. That's literally my point I was meant to make. Hey, God, he's, he's checking. I don't know what's going on. My, my favorite part of that whole thing is, is you're literally like, oh, alarm's going off. We're fine. Puts the phone down. Jamie, is the house actually on fire? Jamie's probably running around burning. Casper's a corpse on the ground. Poor old Remy's holding a lighter going, ha I've got my revenge. And you're just like, ah, oh, she just burnt some toast. Uh, like, you didn't I, even I, check. It's it's always assumed. Actually, we're we're gonna um, eventually be talking about the the whale, uh, the the new movie that uh, Brendan Fraser should win an Oscar for. Not because they nominate, but probably win. Uh, not a Golden Globe. He's not allowed. But uh, Oscars. Uh, in the middle of that movie, now I get to go back a second time. And one of the reasons is because. I was watching the movie and I started getting called saying, it's like, Hey, we got a smoke detector going off. I'm like somebody's probably burning food. Like, okay, do you want us to call some? No, no, just disregard it. I'll check in. And then I'm like, I should probably check in. And I'm like, I checked in. I'm like, uh, yeah, we don't know why it's going off, but there's no fire. I'm like, okay. I took like two or three phone calls there in the middle of the movie and missed half of it. I think but, you uh, might secretly be Australian. You're just so like chilled and cool. You don't even <laughs> really care. You're just like, yeah, that's right. You know, whatever. You can like come I mean, home. There's smoke and fire pouring out of your house. Ah, she's probably just burning some chicken. Yeah, it, it, really, really, we live in Canada. We live in Winnipeg, of all places. I mean, if there is a fire, open the window. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be cooled off and put out within a second. It's, it's, just, it's just like the Santa Claus. Those flames are really big, Dad. Yeah, turkey's funny that way. <laughs> yeah. uh, just before, like, um, on your point, the thing with those deleted scenes, are like, I, I would have watched them back in the day, but it's been a long time. But I was going to read these trivia bits now. I don't know if you're going to get to it, but it's actually fascinating mm. to see that the character that they cut from this episode, which is the dad of the guys in the store, who they obviously cut out and said, oh, no, he dead. But they actually yeah. used the actor in that, Adoni Marapis, and I'm probably mispronouncing yeah. that. He goes on to basically be the big bad of at least the first half of season six. Season six. Who's actually a really good villain for a really shit season. So uh, yeah. fascinating. And then also one of the actors, Amid Abtahi, who plays Safa, he goes on to be a pretty similar character in season seven. Um, I rem- like uh, given that I've just rewatched it. I know the character they're talking about. It's, why did, they could have just used the same character? They could have just been like, "Hey, remember Saffa from season four? Well, he's back in DC." Yeah. Um, Re- remember when we told you not all Arabs are bad? Just kidding, they are. <laughs> yeah. Well, his house—he's a good guy in season seven. It's like his house. Oh, not the dad though. Oh, the dad. Yeah. Well, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, hmm, we like you, Adoni. Um, thanks for being the innocent father. Would you like to come back? Oh, am I playing another innocent father? No, you're playing the terrorist of this first half of the season. Uh, we're going to get to the Jack stuff and I'll cover because there's—I I feel like there's even a very questionable plot hole because one of the deleted scenes 
is, is actually one of the scenes that identifies him as being dead, even though we see him in the other deleted scenes as alive, which gets very confusing. But uh, we'll do the the, um, the the CTU stuff, sir, for the soap opera first. Uh, we're going to get Days of Our CTU do we done need, first Do we need here. to play like... Do you have any like uh, queued up soap um, opera music here? We're going to play it the whole time. The only music I have on my soundboard is the generic one that comes with it. This isn't very soap opera though. Yeah. <laughs> 24. It's a soap opera. It's a very upbeat soap opera. Um, good stuff happens. Uh, anyway, yeah, that comes in handy, doesn't it? So Yeah, well, basically what they play in soap operas anyways. Um, before all the soap opera stuff starts, there's really hilarious moments here at the beginning. There, Now we just have our weekly, this is our... What what on the hour meeting here? We got to recap what happened two minutes ago. On the five minutes. Uh, Come on now. Yeah, they're basically saying, "Oh, there's eight square miles that are affected by this," and then they're saying, "Oh, there's not enough evidence to actually, you know, uh, go after McLennan Forrester." <laughs> really? <laughs> An EMP just went off. <laughs> I, think, I think the Taco Bell down the street also is renowned for having EMPs just sitting around their office. <laughs> not that defense contractor who makes weapons for the military. No, no, well, no, see, it wouldn't be them. If they had planned this out, you know, at least one week in advance, I'm sure we would have had one of the McLennan Forster guys say, don't worry, there's some Arabs that run a weapons yeah. shop down the street. They'll get blamed for it anyways. <laughs> Let's be honest, that's the route they should have gone from eight miles where there's a, there's a gun store here owned by like a Fayed and a Muhammad. Oh, they get it, clearly. <laughs> Definitely the Arabs. Um, but uh, <laughs> the best part here is not that they had, we don't have enough evidence yet. Because yeah. the fact they're sending in commandos to clean this up also doesn't say it. It's Jack, the fact that, the, oh. Jack sent a message on MSN last week saying it's an EMP. Oh, we don't believe Jack. He could yeah, have exactly. one of those Jack episodes again. <laughs> but the, my favorite part here is Audrey asking, I think it's Curtis here. So could Jack or Paul have been injured by this EMP? It's like, No. That's not how electromagnetic pulse <laughs> works, Audrey. Go sit down. Go get some coffee, okay? You need a break. Woman stuff. Come on, Audrey. Let, let, let yeah. men do their job. Man talk here. Uh, we get Heller introducing Michelle to everybody, and there's a lot of awkward looks between Tony and Michelle here. Uh, and then basically after introducing Michelle, the replacement for Tony. So Michelle here is going to replace Tony. We thank you. You did a bang up job with the last 15 minutes, Tony. I love that line. <laughs> we appreciate you carrying the ball for 20 <laughs> minutes. Like he barely even like had time to like, I don't know, call the, what's his Jen or whatever her name was back at home. Like, yeah. Jen, I got a promotion. Oh wait, no, Michelle's here. Bye. What do you mean Michelle's here? Nothing. Bye. <laughs> but then it gets even better because after saying, Thank you for your service, Mr. Almeida. Now to Michelle Dessler. Mr. Almeida, would you please let everybody know what happened? Because Michelle doesn't know. <laughs> so now Tony has to give the briefing that he's just been demoted and not able to give. Um, we get Audrey kind of being nosy here, just sort of looking in as Tony and Michelle have their little run in here, their exchange. They have their uh, argument where um, this is where she gives the line where you couldn't stay sober long enough to keep a job. Which That is pretty harsh. I mean, I, I get like... We, we really got introduced to Tony this season. Like, this is Tony, like, down in the dumps. And we've seen, like, he's smacking around his girlfriend. You know, he really isn't sober. It's not the, the neighbor's dogs. He's the one taking a dump on the lawn every morning and <laughs> not cleaning it up. But, like, it, it's, it seems like a pretty big low blow. Like, and this is one of the things where I say this is soap opera, but I like it. Because Michelle is being kind of nasty to him here. And he is being kind of nasty back. And we're going to get it later on where she's like, Tony, I've had a change in heart. 
I've decided you can stay. You can help us out. Nah, you know what? I got that that soccer game to finish watching back at home from 1984. <laughs> um, still got that dog poo to clean up. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, they're both just being really awkward with each other. But this is that chemistry that they had from day one that yeah. let's thank John Kassar again, as he said on uh, the episode when he was on here, you know, he's the one who pointed this out to the writers and producers. Just watch these two together. Um, they, they've had it since day one. And that's why their love story works where nothing else on 24 does work. And I mean, you know, obviously Jack and Audrey is a very different story. It's more dramatic, but like you do root for Tony and Michelle. And um, when they're awkward here, I mean, the audience feels it and the, uh, the audience wants to see more of this. And that's why, even though this episode is, it seems terribly inappropriate with everything that's going on, especially considering Sarah's about to get fired for asking a question, which she's kind of justified in asking uh, because we need people whose you know minds are on the job and the task at hand. By the way, did Tony say he still likes me? Does he like this new hairstyle? <laughs> what about my dress? Tell me. They are so distracted this entire episode. They're really not paying attention to anything they're doing. Um, but yeah, before we even get into Sarah thing, we'll kind of do that separately. Uh, Audrey talking, Michelle, Michelle talking to Tony, Tony talking to Audrey, everybody's just getting together and back and forth. Um, really the best part about this outside of the Tony Michelle stuff is where Audrey's like, well, you know what? Ah, I don't know. Things were going well with Jack, but like, I'm seeing a different side of him today. And this is where Tony gives like this great line. I don't, I think I wrote, I didn't write it down here, but, uh, where he's basically saying, it's like, all right, well, now that you've seen it, you know, you think, you know, you could live with it. Well, he's definitely not going to come back to this after everything he's been through. And Tony says something like, you know, some people just prefer to live in hell. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's such a great line. And this is, this is the conversation I feel like we need to, two weeks ago when I was saying during the torture of Paul, I'm like, we need something that's got to kind of build to the end game here. And you were, you were saying, okay, we are going to get it. This is what we needed, but I still feel like we needed some uh, better reactions from Audrey two weeks ago, something where she's questioning it, not two hours later to Tony, but maybe just more of a shocked look during the torture scenes. Cause now we're finally starting to get to what their storyline and their love story, or whatever is about. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess anything on the Tony and Michelle stuff. And I guess the, the teases of what uh, might be to come with Jack and Audrey. I wanted Audrey to stick ahead in when Tony and Michelle are having their first conversation going like, Hey guys, will the electronic magnetic pulse like uh, distill your chemistry? <laughs> <laughs> or Tony's like, Audrey, that's not how electronic pulses work, all right? There's electronic <laughs> chemistry between us, so that might, but no. Um, no, no, I like, I, I think, yeah, we're both on the same page here. That this is very soap opera, but again, it works because, like, these two are just amazing. Like, they just, the chemistry between, even when they hate each other and she's all like, yeah, drinking. Like, it's, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of one of those weird things where it's like, yeah, she's a dick to him, but, like, I've never been in a relationship where like alcohol's played a part as abuse. I've been in a relationship where other substances have just come on quickly and you, you're concerned for a certain other person. And so, but it never got to a level where it was like, you know, hey, get you to rehab or you'll die. So like, mm. I can't imagine what it's like when you've got someone. I mean, just think about it. Jamie. I mean, she probably drinks every night. She's married to you. But like if, if Jamie all of a sudden was a raging alcoholic and like got to a point where like, you know, she's stumbling around watching 1980s football. She's like, Putting your, ki- <laughs> putting your kids in the oven and setting it up. Oh, she's like, walks down here. Yeah, oh, shit. I love you, but you made me go to jail. Like, you're probably going to get to a point where you're going to be like, yeah, I might leave. Well, maybe not yeah. you. Other way around, Jamie would definitely leave you. <laughs> but, like, Colin has his first drink ever as a sip. <laughs> I 
hate you, Jamie. <laughs> You're terrible. <laughs> I don't want to tell you off for years. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it it takes a toll. So like, you know, I think she's yeah. also got. A, she's being a dick, but she's also got a point. Like, yeah, six months ago, you couldn't even hold a job. Now you got given this like out of the blue. Yeah. Also, I do well, love the fact that at certain points he gets called Agent Almeida. He's not an mm-hmm. agent. He's a civilian. <laughs> Just pointing that out. But well, uh, did, did they give him like, oh, you have temporary active status as an agent? I know they've said you're temporarily helping us, but they, it, there must be some formality. I'm sure it's in the same memo that uh, Aaron forgot to send about Sarah. Agent Almeida. <laughs> but season, they definitely got that memo. <laughs> season two, if we remember, Jack was not an agent that entire season. Um, mm-hmm. And technically he's not an agent this season either. He's a DOD. Yeah, good point. You know, so, yeah, I, I, again, very loose on the rules in old CTU. But, um, yeah, I, like I... I see, again, I agree kind of to a point you say about Audrey, but like in a way I could see it like it takes her a couple of hours to process it. She's a bit shocked. I mean, I, I, yeah, again, I love this stuff with Audrey and just her conflict now over her and Paul and Jack. And it makes sense because like this is where this is well written, this storyline, because you can't just have Jack go full Jack out of nowhere and Audrey just be like, oh, well, kinkier sex for me tonight. Like it yeah. doesn't make sense. This is the issue I have with Renee in a couple of seasons because they kind of do it in a way where Renee's exposed to Jack, literally. Jack's just like, hey, check it out. And Renee's like, woo! Um, but, like, J- Renee only sees it for a little bit. <laughs> he, what Jack's up to, not his dick. Um, and then <laughs> within, like, three seconds, they're like, hmm, I'm Renee. I could be like Jack. And then you've got this weird, like, conflict where it's, it makes no sense. It comes out of nowhere. At least with, like, Audrey, it makes sense because, like, we know Audrey and Jack have been together for a while and she's never seen this side to him. Renee meets mm-hmm. Jack and within two seconds, I'm conflicted. Should I be like this random agent? I don't really know. Um, yeah, it's it's badly done future, but here it's good. Um, and Michelle, Tony, yeah, just bone already. They're hot. Just right now on the desk, just <laughs> on Sarah's desk. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah, you're fired. We don't need people who are distracted as like they're getting their clothes off. <laughs> Picking it out of their cracks. Like, oh, here's that memo. Can somebody call Sarah back? Desk 7 is now called the Bone Zone. <laughs> the Bone Zone. And they put, like, big curtains <laughs> up. Play some Barry White. Um. <laughs> now, um, with the Sarah thing, I mean, it's basically one scene. Sarah comes up and says... Oh. Hey, so did you get the memo? I'm supposed to have a raise and I'm supposed to have a promotion and stuff like that. Uh, and Michelle's like, really? And it's like, well, yeah, that's what Driscoll said. Oh, well, Driscoll kind of went through a bunch of stuff, but I'm sure that we'll get it sorted out. Now, I'm not saying I am team Michelle on this. I'm saying so this is Sarah. a situation. Sarah. I really like to me, Sarah is just, she's such an inconsistently written character that is frustrating. And this is kind of an example of it because we got last week where she was the only person who kind of felt for Aaron. And now she's basically springing on Aaron's replacement right away and kind of using the excuse where even when uh, Michelle's like, well, I don't know if you know this, but Aaron's daughter just died in front of her like an hour ago. And she's like, I understand that, but I was promised this. Now where I'm going to say Sarah's redeemed slightly is that she comes in there. They're both kind of wrong in a way. I mean, Sarah's got really bad timing and she definitely knows it. She knows I'm playing a card here. Um, It's probably not the best time to be doing this, but she initially says, well, I'm supposed to get this, 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 and this. And one of the things she says is that, you know, whatever, the torture, my arrest, whatever you want to call it, is supposed to be expunged from my record. Then she adds on all the extra stuff, which is where Sarah's kind of like, yeah, 
good job, Sarah, you know, way to be a team player. But then when Michelle starts giving her resistance, she says, I just want to make sure this is expunged from my record. Now that's the out that Michelle would have to be like, we'll take care of that. If you want to write Sarah out, have her keep pushing on the other things. Like it's so much of a problem with the writing with Sarah where they're, they're writing her character so inconsistently that even in the scene, they can't give you a justifiable reason for her to be fired. Even though this scene gives a justifiable reason for her to be fired. If she just kept pushing, no, I want this. I want this. And Michelle's like, I don't trust her. You have reason not to trust her. But then she says this really sketchy thing. And then she backtracks and says something more acceptable. And then you fire her. I think that's part of the problem with Sarah. Um, one thing I, I do find interesting in this is that uh, you haven't watched the show Cobra Kai, but uh, there's a, a character, the, the female lead in the first Karate Kid the movie, uh, play, the Cobra, <laughs> who had all, all the best Bone Zone uh, scenes in the first one. Uh, but uh, Elizabeth Shue played the female lead in the first Karate Kid movie, and she wasn't available for the second movie. Now, they already had a script of like, we got to do something. Let's just write a line in there where she dumped Daniel, the lead character. Oh, she dumped me for some football player. So it's basically just, we're going to wash our hands clean this character. We don't need her for the sequel. Uh, she's not coming back anyways. Elizabeth Shue took so much offense to that for years that like it, it, it something that really bothered her. She's like, you didn't do justice to my character. So they actually wrote her back into the TV show Cobra Kai to basically give an explanation for that, where you're like, well, that's not exactly how it happened. They kept it as something consistent. And I'm noticing that happening more and more with like a lot of things where it's like, oh, well, this person, they didn't do it justice. So we're going to give them a proper ending. Now, there's no way that Lana Perilla is going to be able to call them up and say, I don't feel like, you know, my character was given a proper exit. But if ever there is a character that that is kind of justified and bring them back and give a proper exit to is this one. So, you know, she had no power because no actor is signing this deal. Let's say literally you're just in it for the money, which let's be honest, most actors are, and I don't blame them for it. No actor who's invested in a character is going to want to be written out this way. Well, I mean, I know you said to me yesterday that you've only seen three episodes of Mighty Duck Game Changers and the legacy that they've even further destroyed Gordon Bombay, where it's just like, hey, remember him in the first season? Not at all. Who gives a shit about him in the second? Um, <laughs> thanks, Disney. Um, look, I, I, the only thing I agree with is, yes, yeah, Sarah's character is very inconsistent, but I, I, like, Michelle's horrible here. Sarah has every fucking right to do everything she does here because, like, I'm sorry. If I'm in Sarah's position and there's a new boss, I was tortured three hours ago against my will with basically like, oh, sorry, we tortured you, lol, get back to work. I'm definitely going to be like, um, so the boss, I'm sorry that her daughter died. That's terrible. But I kind of still need to make sure that we're on the same. I'm not. I'm not working more for this government organization that tortured me for no reason three hours ago. Unless I get assurance right now that my deal is still in place, I'm completely on board with her. Um, and I think Michelle, like, I'm with you. I, I would love to see Sarah return so I can see the fucking lawsuit because they're going yeah. down. Michelle's got no leg to set. Like even Michelle's line of "I can't work with people I don't trust." How can you not trust her? That's where that's where Sarah turns around and goes, um, I'm sorry, I don't trust you guys who tortured me three hours ago for no reason. So, well, yeah, I'm at the so same on time, board like, with this Sarah. Is, this is one this time is I don't I like Michelle. This is where I see it from both points of view to a certain extent, from a certain, certain point, point of view, of view. and a certain, <laughs> certain extent, is because the way that Sarah initially approaches her, I wouldn't trust her either. I mean, if I had an employee come to me and say, yeah, guess what? So my old boss said this, and it's in the middle of a massive crisis. But is that Casper's burning down the house? Well, I, I think if you're in a situation like this, you would need to trust people. And the way that Sarah approaches this is definitely 
very unethical. It's it's a little bit questionable. But, 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 yes, but that's the, where I say it's not trust. That's where I disagree. Though I don't think it's a trust issue. It's like well, a it's, commitment. If, if Are Mich- you not committed to you? I, I don't work with people who aren't committed to their job. Yeah, again, that's where it's bad writing. I mean, the, the way that this scene is presented, they don't go one way or the other. And I think that's a common problem with a lot of things in the season. You have two directions you can go with what you've introduced, and you don't really go either. You either play this scene the way that you said it, which, which is basically her saying, hey, listen, this happened to me, and it's not okay, and I was promised this, and I want to make sure it's taken care of. But that's not the way Sarah says it. Sarah says oh, I'm supposed to get this, this, and this, and this. Did you get the memo? And then when Michelle's like, listen, this isn't the time or place, she goes, all right, well, at least the expunges from our record. Sarah doesn't present this in a way where anybody would be willing to trust her or help her. And Michelle doesn't bother to listen to her or even give her a chance. So it, it's really a situation where both of them handle this poorly, but I don't blame, it, 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 I don't think it was anybody's intention. I think that they thought they were making this one way or the other. I'm just, I'm really curious whether this was meant to be Sarah's in the wrong or this is meant to be Michelle's in the wrong because there's no resolution to this and it's not really presented one way or the other i think it's meant to be sarah's in the wrong because we've known her for 12 episodes we don't really care we're all like yeah michelle's back yeah you fire that woman like it's just like (laughs) that that to me is how it's meant to be i think the other issues i have with it though is that michelle is like command at district right also, why was she ready to go in 20 minutes? Like, I, I'm sorry, but, like, I mean, was, does she get a phone call, like, <clears throat> update the situation at CTU, Erin Driscoll's daughter has just killed herself. We need to find a replacement to put the names out there. Michelle? Michelle? Where have you gone? Oh, she's already in the car halfway to CTU. Oh, power-hungry bitch. Um, right, like, right behind you. I was just waiting outside, waiting for the call. She works at District, right? So they would have to have some sort of log of people tortured today. Um, like they would have to have some like updated situation on, Hey, this is where the, I mean, they have meetings every five fucking minutes. I'm sure, you know, Maggie's there transcribing it. So like, I'm sure a couple of hours ago, they've gone, lol, awkward, accidentally tortured Sarah. And this, I mean, this just shows how inept Erin was at her job. She should have put like, okay, well, we need Sarah to keep working. So in, in compensation, we will expunge this from her record and we will give her a couple of pay grade bumps. All she needs to write. So surely that's come across Michelle's desk. So I get that you want to write this character out. I get what they're doing here. Sarah's Mm -hmm. no longer in this show. We need to write her out. It's poorly done. But like, in all hindsight, Michelle kind of comes off as a terrible boss here. She should be like, when Sarah says like, I want this, I want this. And Michelle sort of says like, oh, we will look into it. This is where Michelle, all he needs, she's go is like, oh yeah, I got that. Don't worry. You will be looked after. And Sarah's like, okay. Like, it's been done to write Sarah out. It's been done to bring Chloe back in a couple of weeks ago. That's literally what this is all about. And I'm fine with that because we want Chloe and Sarah inconsistent. But I, I'm so team Sarah here. I want Sarah to come back. I want to see the Senate committee, committee hearings. <laughs> I want to see Michelle going to jail um, for what she's done here is, you know, unfair dismissal. Uh, like Sarah's going to CNN. Sarah's with Anderson Cooper sitting down, telling a story about government in- insubordination and all this kind of stuff. Like, the U.S. government here is like McLennan Forster. They're fucked here. CTU <laughs> has been run poorly today. So many lawsuits and things going yeah. out there. Well, for the record, I am more team. I wish that they had just made Sarah more unlikable and and written her exit in a better way where you're like, yeah, get rid of her, you know, because I think that's the biggest problem is that they don't do it well enough. One thing that I really had a good laugh at here, though, is where Sarah's basically, well, maybe I should go talk to Secretary Heller then. <laughs> and then Michelle's like, go ahead. 
he doesn't run CTU. I do. Really? Because last week he ran CTU. Exactly. He's the one who called you in here. <laughs> exactly. Well, like Tony's Tony's promotion clearly meant nothing. Like I, yeah. I want Michelle to walk in. Well, there you go. Like to make it consistent. Michelle walks in and it's like, Tony, fuck off. It's like, well, you can't tell me what to do. I'm head of CTU. Uh, how'd you get that job, Tony? Secretary yeah. Heller. <laughs> We're under the Department of Homeland Security, not the Department of Defense. Look at your little tree there of the US government. Piss off, flavor saver. <laughs> then you just have Heller going like, I can never keep the departments, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. This, oh, this is, is on me. you. I thought this oh. was the army. Shit. <laughs> I, I, it's the Department of Sanitation I'm in charge of. Sorry. <laughs> uh, now, the Jack stuff, I have one question, something I might have missed here. I know Paul gets beaten up at the beginning of this episode, but does he get shot at some point? At the end of the episode. That's but not at the beginning, right? Okay. <laughs> No, I know that part. But you didn't one see the, the cliffhanger, didn't you? One, no, but it's one of the trivia bits no. in this episode is that he's shot once at the end of this episode, but future ones say he was shot twice. I, and I was thinking, I'm like, he wasn't shot once no, at the beginning. And I, I think it, they made he? a mistake where, like, at the end scene, he gets shot once, but then later on when, like, he's in hospital, they say he was shot twice. So they actually yeah. add a second gunshot in the shootout scene in previously on 24 to make it seem like he was shot twice. So uh, I think they okay. made, I think they fucked up. So either they forgot that he only gets shot once in the writing, or maybe they were implied that he was shot twice and they only use one gunshot sound in post-production. So there's a, there's a mistake made there somewhere. I'm going to also call it inconsistent with Paul's character that these guys are beating on him severely for at least a couple of minutes before Jack comes in for the save, which by the way is a great Jack save. Jack just coming in and bang, bang, bang. And he's taking them all out. Uh, but we've seen Paul break for things much easier than this. I mean, he was sweating bullets and a couple of shocks from Jack. I'm not saying that that's pleasant, but he's like, oh, I'll tell you everything you want to know. Here they're being like, Paul's going to break. I don't think that Paul lasts this long with these guys, uh, unless there's some massive change. With them. You know, now I'm proud to be an American and I'm proud to serve with Jack Bauer. I'm sorry. like uh, I've never been electrocuted before, but to me, getting my hand crushed in a fire. Oh, there's a story. <laughs> Having your hand. Oh, I, I climbed an electric fence once and I got zapped on my balls. But um, I think that, <laughs> like getting your hand crushed in a filing cabinet like three times. Wasn't that funny? Like it, it that's going to hurt more than getting a couple of little shocks from a lamp. Well, I mean, I've, I've been literally shocked from a lamp. Uh, that, that, the first time I got electrocuted, that's what happened. The second time. What were you doing to uh, the lamp, story. Colin? <laughs> it doesn't go um, in that hole, Colin. I don't know. You still don't know how sex works. But but it's more than just his hand getting crushed. I mean, definitely they break his hand. But, like, he's got bruises and cuts all over his face. So they've been beating him down for a while. I, I think the issue I have with this more is how quickly he breaks with Jack and then does nothing here. It's the, it's the fact that later in the episode, um, it, actually this might be one of the deleted scenes. No, no, it was in the episode. Yeah. This was an alternate scene where he says to Jack, you know, uh, uh, thanks for saving my life or something like that. Oh, that's in the episode. And yeah. So, uh, he tells him, thanks for saving my life. That means Paul thought when these guys were crushing his hand and beating him up that he was going to die. Now, I think if Paul's getting shocked and his wife is in the room, he's probably thinking the same thoughts. I'm going to die, which is why I'll give her the information. That's why I just don't get why if he thought he was going to die here and he's getting this beating this lasting a lot longer than the shocking, he's giving up no information. I, look, I completely agree with you. I think it's inconsistent because that's what we talked about a few weeks ago. I like that level of Paul's character breaking so easily. But the, the one difference I would say here is that two weeks ago he was innocent. And so he straight away is like, oh, fuck, I'll tell you, like, I'm innocent. Like, look at the computer. Here's my login. Jesus, man. Whereas this time around, he's actually, like, trying to protect 
you know, terrorist information from getting into the hands of bad people. So maybe he's now like, yeah, I'm American like Jack Bauer. So, which again, line last week, you sh- I don't resent you. It's like, well, you should, Paul, you little bitch. Like, come yeah. on, <laughs> resent this man. Um, Jack comes in for the save. Uh, we have him a little bit sneaking around outside and this is where the uh, McLennan Forrester commandos arrive. We don't have enough evidence yet. <laughs> They've sent commandos in. They even say back at CTU, oh, we have one helicopter that's in there and it's in the McLennan Forrester building. Oh, who, who I can't remember who said that. Who would have sent that? My guess would be McLennan Forrester. <laughs> that's where, like, bad, there is some bad writing this because I fucking love Tony here, Mr. Knowledgeable. It's like, hmm, what's this helicopter doing there? I don't know. What could it be? Tony's like, that's an X-Win 7712. It fits at least 20 men and they're all armed. Like, okay. Oh, that's the thing I was going to mention to you before. Like Tony's line when like he's going to Michelle, like Jack's going to start a firefight to draw on people. Like very specific. And then I love how Tony's like, I know how Jack thinks. So later on when he's talking to Audrey and like, oh, do you think Jack's going to want to like to take it down? I want Tony to be like, yeah, because you're fucking hot and he wants to fuck you. I know how Jack thinks. Like, like it's, I'm all, I'm all for a character friendship where they're like, oh, I know how Jack thinks, but it's something not as specific as Jack is going to go to a sporting goods store with two Muslims because they're not all bad and start a fight. That's a very specific thing that Tony's thinking he's going to do. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the McLennan Forrester commando here also gets a good line. We get a two fighters against a star destroyer when the guy's like, these are the men that I want you to track down and kill. This one is a CTU agent. You want me to kill a federal agent? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, this guy's good at his job. Uh, this is a Curtis of McClendon Forrester commandos. Federal uh, agents but, protect our country. Killing them are yeah. bad. <laughs> but all Arabs are definitely not bad. <laughs> if you see Arabs, don't shoot them. But aren't all Arabs terrorists? <laughs> um, we get uh, the looting. We get. I, I guess it appeared on the news at one point briefly. We actually see the looting here as Jack and this, this is Twitter. It's 10 it's minutes. 20 it's minutes. not 10 minutes. It's, it's not 20 well, minutes. It's 10 minutes. Well, I was going to say it's 20 minutes when Jack gets into the store and this store is already boarded up and have been shooting people and stuff like that. But the looting started immediately. And th- this is this is where uh, can we even say, oh, well, it's definitely America because we've already American. Of course about, we can. <laughs> well, but we, we talked about last week about uh, how they, they basically said yeah, people didn't connect with season three because it was a virus and that'll never happen. Uh, so we gave them something that was more, more close to home. And the fact that they were doing this blackout probably only a couple months after the, the big New York, Ontario blackout was because people would identify with this. I don't think there was that much looting during that blackout. So this is, the fact that happens, it just, when, when I see looting like this in 24, it just reminds me of the Simpsons. Like, can't this town go one day without a riot? <laughs> Yeah, it's, there's no restraint whatsoever. It's it's literally like I'm, I'm trying to work out the timing here because I, they were all there watching this news report and this reporter woman. I love this woman. She's just so like, I'm in downtown LA. There's lots of rioting. There's cars on fire. There's building. There's probably casualties. Like, like wait, and how how is her camera working? Yeah, well, no other no other electronics work. Solar point, but like like. I'm sorry, I'm a journalist. You're not allowed to say there are probably, like, that's where you say there are no reports yet of any casualties. There's probably dead people. (laughs) Ew, bodies. But, like, it is because, like, you get, like, a 10-second break before you see Marwan walk into the the restaurant and then it's got the the subtitle of, like, 710. So, like, 
literally the EMP goes off at what, like 6.59, okay? Mm-hmm. Pew, power goes off. So are there just people sitting around this part of LA going, fuck, power's off, riot, yay! Yes, like, exactly. <laughs> there's no one literally going like, oh, this is unusual. The light's not working. Oh, my TV's not working. Let's go outside and check. Like, we've all been in a blackout. And yeah. the first thing that happens is you check, like, okay, is anything else working? Okay, open the window. Oh, the lights are off around me. Oh, okay. Like, you you go through a process of checking what's going on. I, like, I love America, and I know America has their issues, but I'm sorry, even Americans aren't sitting around going, come on, blackout, 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 blackout. I want to ride. I want to ride. I want to ride. Yay, blackout. <laughs> Burning cars. <laughs> smashing windows. Like, Again, I get it. This, the line in the book I want to read, basically, I think it's it's how Gordon or John Kazara basically like, oh, every week, uh, we base, every episode, we basically fit a week's worth of um, plot into one episode, but no one will notice, lol. Like, yeah, we're noticing. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> now, um, the, when he gets into the shop, this is where a lot of the deleted scenes come up, which I, I want to cover the deleted scenes because some of them are really bad and some of them just make you scratch your head even more. Uh, we're talking about inconsistencies here and not even keeping tabs on the same episode you're in. But basically they uh, bluff their way in here, uh, break their way in here. Uh, these guys have guns, the shopkeepers or whatever. It's like, get out of here. It's like, I'm a federal agent. No, I'll kill you. All right, we're leaving now. <laughs> Boom, I'm in. All right, I'm a federal Trick agent. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, we have like a thing here where the guy's like, oh, all the looting is because of we were the first ones hit just because we're Arab, right? This is where it gets a little bit, oh, okay, I guess you're trying to make a point here, which I'm not saying you can't do this, but there's subtler ways to do it. But uh, the, the deleted scene where it gets really interesting here because a, a very good part of the episode could have been left in here if you hadn't cut this out. Now, basically the father is in this episode. These guys have a father who is injured in the back. Now, the way this comes up after Jack basically, you know, tells him everything. He spills every secret about the, what's going on to them. All right, so this guy, McClendon Forrester, and right, and I think that they they accidentally hired a terrorist, and then that terrorist, well, he kind of got implicated, and now, oh, now these guys set off an EMP, and, uh, oh, by the way, Tony was a drunk, and, you know, <laughs> he, he doesn't clean his lawn. And, uh, what else did I tell you? Um, my, my daughter's definitely not a virgin. I'm slipping you know, Paul's her, wife. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> and she's actually really good in bed, but, you know, don't tell Paul. Sorry, Paul. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, he literally tells them everything here, which the reason for this is obviously you want to give these characters a, a real plausible reason why they would say, we will fight with you, Mr. Bauer. So that I like, but it makes no sense for Jack to tell them. But Jack here just instantly saying, I trust these Arab guys when I didn't trust Paul enough. So I had to electrocute him. Yeah. Um, what makes this better though, is that the when after they say, we'll help you, we'll fight with you. The, the scene continues where Jack sees a spot of blood on the floor and he says, whose blood is this? And the guy's like, no, it was one of the looters. We shot him. <laughs> and then Jack looks at it again. He says, you're lying to me. That's And then he starts blood. searching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. basically he does it. It's, it's kind of this subtle moment where obviously Jack was still like, I'm going to tell these guys I trust them, but I don't fully trust them. And there's a moment that's going to come up later on with Paul that does something similar. But um Jack searches, he finds the guy there. And then the father, Jack, no joke, Jack performs surgery on this man for half of the episode. (laughs) Everything you didn't see, there are eight minutes of deleted scenes, which is basically Jack tending to the father. There's no time to get into a hospital. Give me 50 cc's of this. They've got like a bunch of burn in there. 
Uh, this is where it literally was kind of like you're but it's like oh come on jack is performing surgery with no assistance on a man who was shot in the back of a gun shop uh and it goes on for several scenes and then the guy's like well i think he'll be okay take two of these and call me in the morning and then he has this long conversation with a dad where the dad's like I just wanted to come here for a better life, but nobody trusted me because I'm Arab and I want my sons to have a better life. And if I were okay, I would fight with you right now too. And Jack's like, I'm not going to tell you have to leave, but I recommend you leaving. No, I will stay here. Even if it kills me. Oh, I'm just like, thank goodness. We didn't have these scenes in the episode. And that's why it makes sense in like two seasons time that he is, his whole terrorism plot is to get Jack back <laughs> yeah. from China to get revenge. <laughs> it's like, you didn't stay with me. <laughs> <laughs> You said take two of these and call me in the morning. They did nothing. They did nothing. I had a headache for three days. <laughs> and do you see with a stitching on this? I've got a scar. <laughs> it's not even one of those scars that chicks dig. It's just a bad scar. Which, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if they're on YouTube because obviously I haven't had the DVDs in a long time. But, um, yeah, I, I would have watched these back in the day. But it does sound a bit tedious. I Like, again, like the point of this whole bit when, like, he's telling everything and, like, they came after us because we're Muslims. I get in 10 minutes. Like, I mean, is this, <laughs> yeah. is this just the racist part of LA where they're just all like looting time. Yeah. Let's go after those Muslims. <laughs> Clearly they did this. Oh, that's sporting goods store. 30% off. Bullshit. Should be 40% off. Boo. <laughs> and it's not like it says like Abdi's sporting goods or whatever. Like this is like, I don't know. John Stevens sporting. Like there's no way somebody's going to look at it. It's a best that's pro definitely shop. In yeah, this that is definitely an Arab store. <laughs> oh, didn't you see the turban sitting outside? Like, I mean, <laughs> clearly, um, yeah. Like, I mean, again, you've got a plot's got a plot. You got to get this, but like, I guess you can't drag it out over a week. But at the same time, like, have this at, like at the end of the episode. Like, he's yeah. poor old. Like, these two guys have been trying their best by the end of the episode. Like, literally, people in this again, downtown LA. This is this isn't the suburbs. This is like, I've heard downtown LA is bad. And clearly I can see why. You've just got racists sitting around wanting to go looting within the first sign of a blackout. Muslim store, <laughs> let's go get them. Like, Jesus Christ. I hate to see someone's like, you know, the ethnic restaurants in the area. They're probably dead. Um, <laughs> well, there's probably casualties. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, but I mean, having said that, like, I feel like I'm making fun of it. I actually do kind of like what we get here. I kind of like yeah. Jack working with these two people and it's just like, yeah, I'm going to stand with my Muslim brothers because I did a public service announcement before this episode. Was it this episode that he started doing them? Like, not all Muslims I'd be curious to know if it's the same one, yeah. Yeah. But, but like, I'll agree with you is that this is – I like this. It's just it, – it's it's it should have been written better. It, it's written so obvious that they're going for a public service announcement here because they keep reminding you of it. And where I think that this could have been worse is also kind of why we're stuck with this because – the longer version of the story, which is basically the majority of what Jack does in this episode is just perform surgery on a man who's cut from the episode entirely. That meant you had to keep all this other dialogue in here. And this is a rare episode where they decided we're going to cut a subplot. But if we cut that subplot, we got to keep every line in the episode. This isn't an episode where like, oh, we can cut this line here because it's a little bit excessive. So them cutting this worst subplot also tied their hands. So they had to have a lot 
of this repetitive dialogue in there of not all Muslims are bad. But the idea of these guys saying we're going to fight with you, it's a good one. And the payoff's good. Um, I, I, what I what I really like about this is that the, the, we're getting the environment. This is like uh, after the, the, the bomb went off, after Jack didn't find the bomb in uh, season two. And you had that, that one or two episodes where there was a little bit of chaos. And we said, like, we like seeing what's going to happen. A nuke going off gives you more reason to loot than, oh, the power's out, you know? Um, but this guy's hiding in this small pawn shop and, you know, looking out the window every once in a while and you hear all the commotion out there. Like it, it's such a different environment, something that you haven't seen in 24 before. This just, it, it, it makes a separate ER um, did, uh, there was an episode, um, I'm trying to think what, it wasn't a blackout episode, but someone, oh yeah, there was one where like uh, George Clooney had to rescue like a kid who was oh, stuck in like a sewer. Yeah, and then, they, yeah, I think, um, was it a, yeah, yeah, no, it was like in the very first was, couple of seasons. There was a plane yeah. crash episode with Serena Williams in it. I was trying to think you were mentioning that one. Oh, really? Well, but there was also another one where there was like a, a gas station robbery or something like yeah. that, and the entire episode was just taking place in that. Like, oh, I like those episodes. Do you remember the Africa episodes whenever Carter and um, um, no. Goran Viznich's character, well, I've gone blank, Luca, they, um, th- they, there was a whole bunch, and that's when Tandy Newton was in it because that's how Carter meets Tandy Newton. She was like a Doctors Without Borders person. Um no, they, they did a whole like section where every season it almost like Carter goes to Africa and they were brilliant episodes. Yeah. yeah and see, I like that. I like when ER would do like a kid stuck in, you know, a, a floodway drain or something like that, or gas station robbery or, you know, going to Africa, whatever it is, you're just doing something out of the ordinary that mm. th- this wouldn't normally happen in 24. Um, but uh, the, the best stuff in this episode is actually another scene where it's a longer version, this whole calm before the storm thing where you have uh, Jack talking to Paul here. And this is where I think he says, oh, oh thanks for saving my life. Um, it's, it's not necessarily just the dialogue between them that's good. It's the fact that, you know, something big is coming because they these commandos are out there. That's the entire point of this is that Jack's waiting here because these McLennan Forrester commandos are on the lookout for them and they can't even get word to CTU. So they're trying to formulate a plan. They're, they're basically holed up in there. This is like, um, uh, what was that? Uh, the original night of the living dead. When we covered that, where it's basically just a bunch of people in a house with guns mm. getting ready for when they come in here, we got to have guns ablazing and all that. Um, and the, the, other alternate part of the scene though, that's cut from the episode. You do have the line in here where the guys say, Oh, our father, before he died, he said, or his only wish was, which is where it gets really confusing because this scene is also in a deleted alternate sequence where the father's still alive. So I don't know whether this is something where they, when they decided to cut the subplot, they said, go back and film this one line and put it in there. And they still keep that one line in the deleted scenes, but it got really confused me watching this deleted scene where they say our father who's dead. And I'm like, did he die? Like, was there a deleted scene I missed? Cause we see him alive later. Yeah. I was going to uh, say there was maybe another scene that we're going to write him like dying there, in the basement. Maybe. There wasn't because the father comes back <laughs> this episode. Um, but uh, the, the other line where you could see they're going in a different direction here, like Jack earlier saying, you're lying to me. This is era blood, right? It, when Jack's basically saying, it's like, yeah, these are good guys. I trust them. And Paul's like, should we really trust them? And it's just sort of this thing where he says that. And Jack's like, just sort of looks at him weird. Like, hmm? right. <laughs> But, but like in a way, in a way, I wish we kept that in the episode because, oh, we're living in this perfect world. We're not all Arabs or bad. I'm not saying that. Oh, the not a perfect world. But the fact that they're just so quickly Jack, who is so suspicious of everybody this entire season 
and you had him question him earlier and then you have Paul question him. I actually kind of would have liked this better when you're like, even in this perfect world, there's still going to be some prejudice, you know? Um, it it would have just made it a little bit less forced with their whole, we're, we're with you, Mr. Bauer. I think they should, uh, but, but Paul even just has to have that line of like, should we really trust him? And then Paul goes like, dude, you like tortured me two hours ago. Yeah, exactly. You didn't trust me. So like, like I think I've got a right here to like question, like based on how you act, mate. Or not even that he's being racist, but he's like, oh, wait, okay. So everything I do automatically makes me a terrorist. Because oh, I'm you white. The, you automatically, you got the you Arabs. Know, they've got special the- plot armor because, oh, we don't want to assume all t- Arabs are terrorists. Oh, I get yeah. it. But the white guy. They're running a gun store. I mean, I didn't see that EMP that you magically held back with your 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 primal scream. Yeah. I mean, for all I know, these guys set off the EMP. They are Arab after all. Uh, but I, I, it just would have added another dimension to it. Uh, but uh, I, again, I get why they sort of cut it out. Um, the, I guess, fight scene, the shootout here, it's Jack being Jack. This is a lesser level of what we got with Jack storming the uh, the compound at the beginning of the season, rescuing uh, the secretary and Audrey. Uh, but you do get a couple of those like Jack kills and everything. And I love all the sneaking around and Paul, you know, with his little gun there. Oh, oh, what do I do with this? <laughs> um, but I don't know whether this is underwhelming because we have all these commandos and then we have all this back and forth with CTU where obviously Tony is basically saying, I think we got to go in there and search. And Michelle's like, no, just set up a perimeter. And I was like, well, there's definitely commandos trying to kill Jack. And then they're like, oh, send him in, send him in. But it just sort of goes from Jack's killed one guy, Jack's killed two guys to all of a sudden Agent Castle comes in here and he shoots a guy and he's like, Agent Bauer, that was the last one. I'm like, that's it. We still like, (laughs) 20 guys out there. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't think you needed to drag out this episode with every single kill, but maybe if you saw a little bit more of the fight outside and Jack's like, it's Castle. He's here to save the day. It just, it sort of goes from Jack gets a kill, Jack gets a kill, Castle comes in and kill. That's it. They're all gone. Yeah. But turns out they're not all gone uh, because oh. one of them, one of them, uh, we get the diehard ending here where uh, he's got a gun. There's one guy who should be dead who's still alive. And he turns the gun and Paul, no. It's, it's, it's the dumb and dumber <laughs> bit when um, Jim yeah. Carrey's fantasizing. He's going to go. No. And like, obviously what's supposed to happen here is Paul shoves Jack out of the way. There is nowhere to shove Jack. They are wedged in between these two cabinets. And he just sort of like pushed himself up against Jack. The gun goes off. And the next thing you know, Jack's on the ground. Like it's very weirdly edited. Um, but Paul kind of sacrificing himself. And I think he even had that, that line there, but I owed you one. And Jack says, you didn't owe me anything. Um, I'm that's your wife much, still, Paul. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry. I'm definitely getting repaid, Paul. She told me, you're sucking <laughs> bad. And like, this is again where Paul should be a little bit more upset because like he was shooting at Jack, not you. And now you just took a bullet for the man. He, I owe you. No, at least be like, I'm shot. Seriously, like, can anything else go right for me today? Um, Oh, God, this is the worst day ever. Like, seriously, I get electrocuted. My wife leaves me for this guy. And then I have to take a bullet for him. I was on a very fast plane. I'm very jet lagged. I don't know. I own 20 corporations. I have my name on 50 leases. And Uh, this is how I'm going. I'm connected to terrorists, but I didn't set off an AMP. Maybe I should (laughs) have. Oh, my head. Now I'm shot. Oh. God, and I didn't turn the oven off. My house is going to be burned down. <laughs> Rover hasn't got these biscuits. Oh, shit. And I didn't pay the rent. Oh, no. Oh. This day couldn't get any worse. Oh, and the Dodgers lost. Fucking and hell. this is the worst. This is the worst day of my life. 
Yeah, I, I just I just want a season of twenty four where it's not like I had federal agent Jack Bell. This is the worst day of my life. It's like he's getting. Wild. I just want like somebody's like, oh, I slept in on my alarm. Oh, I missed the bus. Yeah. Oh, my coffee's too hot. Oh, I put on the wrong shoes. Oh, <laughs> oh, sounds like me. Um. Oh, the Tinder girl I liked didn't swipe right at me. No. Oh. <laughs> Max Dawson's trashing me again. Oh. <laughs> Gotta be on the ball. It's 2023. Come on. Um, the only thing to talk about here is we get another desperate uh cliffhanger. Which, but by the way, it's not the ori- not the original cliffhanger though, because that's I'll kind of save that for after you talk here about this. Uh, but we had the one scene I said with Marwan walking to his restaurant calling Anderson on the phone. Here's our, our uh, Thunderball pilot who's uh, going to become very important next week. Um, and I swear he says, I'll be there in 30 minutes. And then it's like 45 minutes later in the episode when everything happens. Traffic. Uh, but they basically have their their evil mustache twirling meeting here. Hello, Anderson. Hello, terrorist Marwan. <laughs> the president will never see it coming. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, terrorist Marwan. <laughs> Is it this this cliffhanger because we only had the one scene in Marwan? It's like we had a, a major thing that happened, and now let's cut to something that barely anybody's gonna remember is even going on in the show, and then we're gonna have a oh big cliffhanger, something big's coming. Which to me, I'm like, uh, this is the stuff I really like because again, I just love the build for this, and like I remember watching this, going like, oh, who's random pilot man? Uh, oh, Marwan, terrorist Marwan, there he is. Um, but what, <laughs> what's the, the line that Marwan says is like? The president of the United States is on a tight schedule, which we yeah. to, is he? He's just flying around. <laughs> exactly. He's an Air Force One still, and this is the longest flight ever. I went. I'm President Keeler, and this is the longest flight of well, my life. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and it's funny because I don't think either of us have thought of this at this point. We keep using the excuse or giving the benefit of the doubt. It's like, well, but the plane wouldn't be allowed to land. But what's going to happen with Anderson and Marwan's next stage of the plan here? They would have to know what's going on. Yeah. So. Is this, is this now basically saying, oh, this is the longest flight in history? As, as epic as this storyline is, there are some plot holes because, like, again, you get a throwaway line in a couple of weeks of, you know, sir, we need to land because we've been circling, you know, for a few hours now. <laughs> 14 hours. <laughs> Which, like, I mean, again, like, oh, they need to say that, like, earlier in the season. They need to be like, sir, we've just returned from the G20 in Tokyo. It's a 10-hour flight, but now we've got to sit there. But, like, what, like, again, Heller's just sitting there in his office, you know, playing solitaire. Um, but he got, he's the one who got kidnapped, but they only care about President Keeler. But, like, yeah, there's a few things there, but I, it doesn't take away from the epicness of this storyline. So I still, I'm still on board, even though there's stuff that doesn't make sense. Um, anything else you want to cover here? You want to talk about the alternate ending? Uh, I would like to know the alternate ending because I don't know if I know the alternate, or is that the alternate ending, what you're talking well, about, the president? No, no, I mean, that that scene was supposed to still play. You had Paul getting shot. That scene plays. And then the alternate ending, because this is where you watch it chronologically and it comes up right before the beep, beep, uh, is Jack's phone call to Audrey, which is literally, it, well, we did a different version of that scene opening the next episode. So obviously what happened is they had this scene shot, which is Jack calling Audrey and basically telling her Paul's been shot. And she's like, how did it happen? Uh, and then it was, he basically tells her and there's like this a long awkward moment where as you see him being wheeled away on a stretcher. Uh, spoiler for next week, the next episode starts with the exact same scene played where they're already in the helicopter on the way to CTU. It's a lot more intense. It's probably a more exciting version of the scene, but there's something about we're going to end this episode on this downer where, where again, we're setting up the whole Jack and Audrey and Paul thing. And then, 
this awkward phone call is like, so uh, Paul, yeah, he kind of got shot. And she says, how did it happen? And he basically has to say, he was trying to say me, like, it's basically him saying it's my fault. It's a much more emotional scene that's played here than what we get at the start of the next episode, which I don't know whether it's better or worse. Like the Marwan thing, I just think is out of place because it's the only scene you have with these guys. Well, one of two scenes in the episode, but uh, it would, it, I think it just would have been really interesting to end the episode on this moment where if the audience paying attention and seeing where you're going with it is the cliffhanger. We're like, Oh, I know where this is going. Not, not such quite uh, obvious. The president will never know what's coming. <laughs> Terrace Marwan. Is it a case of Jack goes? So, um, <laughs> Paul got shot. Yeah. Kind of my fault. You still want to go out for dinner in like an hour? Yeah. Or have you got reservations <laughs> at that restaurant you like? Um, yeah, I, I think the ending we get is fine. Apparently this is the, Shortest final split screen ever in all of 24, nine seconds. So there's a oh. stat for you. That uh, I thought, you see, I, I thought when we were going back in season one, we're like, oh, the split screens are so short. Apparently they were longer than this still. Yeah. I also love on the trivia on IMDb, when Jack is aiming at the commandos, he closes his left eye. Being a trained commando <laughs> himself, he would keep both eyes open to get a better sight picture. Thank you for that, uh, random person. Um, the book, which I finally got again with me. Um, yeah, the the line. Uh, so it's it's actually uh, Robert Cochran uh, says the quote here. Um, talking, so they they sort of go into detail about how they weren't too sure about season four about like not having the one threat and sort of having mm. things build up. But they said like, oh, it actually works. But then I love this line. It says, if you actually think about all that is happening in eight hours, because they're talking about like the three arc part of the season. If you actually think about what is happening in eight hours, please. But I think what happens is that for the most part, the audience sees the show one week at a time and they don't think to themselves, hey, wait a minute, this can't happen in eight hours. They just see something neat. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we can see what is happening in eight hours. It also says here that apparently many fans believe the Araz family, remember them, not in it at the moment, uh, were from Turkey. But John Kazar dispels that notion, asserting that they purposely never attributed a country of origin to them. We know it's Yemen. but um, Yeah, it's definitely Yemen. It's definitely yeah, Yemen. Definitely <laughs> Yemen. Um, but, yeah, there's nothing, nothing else to declare. So you already said at the end of the last episode that you rented this one. Are you standing by that? I am standing by that, Colin Hilding. This is a rent for me. Um, I actually am going to go higher and say, I'm going to buy this just I, I, a lot of issues with this episode, but just the whole environment of, of hiding out in this small broken down store with riots going on outside and just the build towards what's going to happen, not just with Jack, Audrey and Paul, but also with Tony and Michelle and everything is just, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's handled well enough that it's got me interested, but this is going to be my lowest buy currently of all my buys. I have 42 buys in total. So this is number 42 overall for me. Well, as a rent, I have this in the lower part of the rents. I have this at 69. Um, <laughs> It's a sex position, Colin. Look that's, it up. That's, um, uh, that's a sex joke. Yes. <laughs> uh, I have this just above episode 10 from season one and episode five from season two. So, um, yeah, after a bit of a streak of bins, we have a rent. Yay. Um, no more trivia. You you done with the trivia? Uh, yeah, I think most of it we read. Yep. Yeah. Th I mean, this is, uh, I guess, one thing. He, he technically... 
Roger Cross is now officially a main cast member for the first time. Um, Good for him. This is, yeah. Oh no, no, sorry. That'll be next episode. I'm, I'm already on next episodes. And well, I think this uh, is the last time Roger Cross is not a main cast. They, member. I think the trivia on that was that they said that uh, Rekha Owlsworth and Carlos Bernard are listed as special, special guest, guest stars. stars, and from this point on, any returning former like main cast member is always listed yeah. as a so like Dennis Haysbert who may or may not be appearing this season uh you know people like that are special guest stars which i mean technically that that's the other trivia thing here is technically Michelle is the first one that gets to come back and be special guest star because Carlos Bernard was listed as a special guest star in his original season. So him coming back as special guest star isn't the same thing, but yeah, I mean, we, we had a lot of people returning in past seasons. I mean, think about Nina, she never got a special guest star. So um, looking ahead to next week, I have watched, <laughs> I think the first uh, 15, 20 minutes of it. Um, I'd say at least the first third of the episode. Um, there are going to be some returning people coming back. I mean, maybe the Arazes, Maybe somebody else who departed not long ago and somebody else has just vacated a seat that needs to be filled to CTU. We'll, we'll get into that next week. Um, but uh, I guess really exciting thing is that um, Paul's going to suffer some more. <laughs> That's the important part of the show. And somebody dies next week, although we don't actually get to see it and it's implied and you never hear from them again. And speaking of never being heard from again, another character will sort of make their, you know, thirdly appearance that they do every three episodes. I'll just read the synopsis for next week because I think it's funny. It will have a slight spoiler in this. But anyway, Michelle calls Chloe and asks her to come back to CTU. Jack formulates a plan to infiltrate one of Marwan's cells, but things don't go as planned. Audrey realizes she still loves Paul. That's that's it. <laughs> and if people want more spoilers, Go watch Thunderball because you're literally going to get the plot of Thunderball next week. Without the uh, eight <laughs> hours of swimming. <laughs> um, yeah, make sure to listen to all the other great stuff we have coming out right now, which is more 24. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Roger Moore. Hello there. <laughs> Welcome to 24. But uh, as we tease, we will have movies coming back uh, starting movies. next month. <laughs> Movie recaps. Movies, baby. <laughs> Coming back next month, baby. Uh, and other than that, more 24, more 24, more 24. But you can listen to all the other great stuff we have going on at Off the Podium and Double Oz 7 as well. We have talked about the plot of next week's episode on Thunderball recap on Double Oz 7. Um, make sure to just subscribe to us so you don't miss any of our great 24 episodes and whatever we may or may not do after that. Um, this was a good one. Thank you. My name is Colin. And <laughs> what was that? <laughs> this was a good one. Thank you. <laughs> and my Sign name up to is our Colin. Patreon with more quality content like that. Oof. Yeah, exactly. This this is this is what we want. We were teasing. There'll be more good stuff like this one coming to you next week on the Oz Network. Um my name is Colin and there were probably casualties. And my name is Ben and this was good. Thank you. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. 
You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.